Let's pray. Father God in heaven, you are indeed a good and holy God. And Lord, we thank you for your goodness to your people throughout all generations. And God, how you've gathered us here today to hear that goodness proclaimed. God, as we've done so through singing and through fellowship and through, uh, as we will, communion and continued prayers and scripture reading, God, I pray now that your spirit would open our minds to understand and our hearts to receive the gospel of Christ. God, uh, may your spirit who inspired the words of your scripture now awaken us to new life this morning. Uh, God, that we would receive this good news and, and be changed as your people who are joyful and humble and kind and gentle. God, that you would, by your spirit, prepare us for good works of service to each other in the city and the areas of influence you've placed us. God, I pray that that would happen for your glory and for our joy and that the goodness of Christ would go out to the nations, we ask in his holy name. Amen. You've just heard the words of Deuteronomy chapter 33 as the culmination of the story of Deuteronomy is coming to a close. Uh, next week will be the final sermon in Deuteronomy 34 as we conclude this several-month study on the book of Deuteronomy. And what we're seeing is that God is making good on his promises for the good of his people and for his glory, and that this leads us to Jesus. If you know the story of Deuteronomy, you know God's people were in bondage in Egypt, and God, by his goodness, came down to rescue them and set them free so that they could be led to a land that he had promised for generations before, a land that he had promised to give his people so that they could grow and thrive to be the people that God wanted them to be. If you know the story, you know that as God set them free by many signs and wonders, they were led out by Moses and for several decades, nearly 40 years, uh, were wandering in the wilderness. There were times of doubt and fear and disgruntlement and disbelief and rebellion against the Lord. Yet all the while, God was showing his kindness and goodness and faithfulness to his people. Although they doubted and sinned and rebelled, he still showed his goodness and kindness and faithfulness to them. Moses, at this point, is a super old man and is not going to enter the land of promise. And as I read this story, I think, man, how would I have felt to be like, God, I've served you for 40 years. I've been leading these disgruntled people for four decades, and they get to go to the land of promise, but I get to die and be buried under some rocks in the desert? Gee, thanks. But what we see here is that scripture tells us something wonderful about God and wonderful about Moses and actually wonderful about Jesus through this story. Because all of the Old Testament points us to Jesus. All of the Old Testament leads us to Jesus. And we see that this story, this chapter that you have just heard as Moses is pronouncing the blessings of God over God's people points you and I to Jesus today. Look at the very first verse. This is where we're camping out today. Becca did a great job of reading the whole chapter, and I would encourage you to read this again later today after you hear uh, this message at some point. But verse 1 of chapter 33 says this, This is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the people of Israel before his death. I'm going to read it again. This is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the people of Israel before his death. Friends, what I want us to see today is Moses was the man of God proclaiming blessings over God's people, and this leads us to Jesus, 
the Son of God, in whom we are truly blessed forever. And this is good news for us. So two things we're going to look at today. First, the man of God. Second, the blessings of God. Okay? The man of God. This is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the people of Israel before his death. I was looking up this phrase, the man of God, because I think if I just say that out there for you today, uh, that could bring a lot of different concepts to mind. Maybe you're like, oh, the man of God, that's somebody who's very religious. Or a man or woman of God is somebody who does really good things to serve people. Maybe you think a man of God could be some person who's had influence in your life, maybe spiritually or religiously, or a man or woman of God. You may think of a great humanitarian who is doing wonderful things to serve people and to uh, fight poverty and to fight hunger. Those are are wonderful things. And if you say the word man of God or woman of God, that often can, can take our mind there. But as I was studying biblically, that term man of God is used most often specifically to describe prophets, to describe a prophet of God. Now, again, a prophet is not someone who, um, you know, if you watch History Channel like I do, you often will be told, like, prophets foretell the future and stuff like that. Sometimes is the case, but biblically, prophet is someone who proclaims the goodness of God over God's people. That's what a prophet does. A prophet is someone who proclaims God's goodness to God's people. And, and the word man of God most often is used to describe prophets, not only Moses, but goes into other parts of the Old Testament describing the other prophets of God, like Jeremiah and Isaiah, and even pointing us to Jesus, who was called a man of God. But we're going to see there's so much more there. Because a man of God proclaims the goodness of God over God's people. Now, again, Moses had been informed that he will not enter the land of promise and that Joshua will lead the people in. And and as I thought about this, how would you respond if God said, hey, you've served me for 40 years and you've led people right up to the edge and you can see the land of promise, but you don't get to go in. You're going to die. And as I was thinking about that, you know, I, I know how I am. I'd probably gripe a little bit. I probably would pout a little bit. I probably would write some silly B-rate emo song that nobody would listen to about it. And, but as you look at Moses, we see that Moses was not at this point about himself. He was not about his reputation, but rather the work of God. Moses uses his final words not to say, hey, everybody, um, I was hoping you guys would throw me this huge party since I've served you for 40 years. Or, hey, everybody, I just want to remind you of what I've done to try to lead you well over the past 40 years through the desert. But rather, Moses uses his final words before his death to proclaim God's goodness over God's people. That's what makes him a man of God. That's what a man or woman of God does. It's not about themselves. It's not about their reputation. It's not about their resume. A man of God or a woman of God even is about proclaiming in faith the goodness of God over God's people. See, being a man of God in this case is not about reputation but about faith. It's not about a resume but about functioning in God's plan even though it may look different for you in the end than it does for the rest of God's people. We're going to see, if you, if you, if you track along the storyline of the Bible, you see that God in no way uh, sh- gives Moses the shaft here. <laughs> in fact, Moses comes back in the New Testament 
and hangs out with Jesus. So that's a pretty cool deal in the end. You see, God does by no means breaks his promise to Moses by fulfilling his promises to Israel, but rather God fulfills his promise to Israel and Moses, as a man of God, does his role in that well. So I want to pause and ask you this. Where do you go to hear good news? Because if a prophet or a man of God is someone who proclaims God's goodness over God's people, where do you go to hear that good news? How do you receive that good news? Because often we want to find someone who is a person of God or even just someone who can help us thrive in our lives and we turn to uh, places or things or even people or systems that aren't necessarily godly. It can even be religious. It can even be spiritual. How many of you, because I've been there and done this as well, how many of you uh, maybe find yourself wanting a religious or spiritual experience for self-help purposes? Or maybe you find yourself turning to religion or spirituality because of what you may get out of it. In fact, you can go to any bookstore and there are many uh, quote-unquote religious or spiritual leaders who will say, hey, if you pray this prayer, then God will give you all this money. Or if you do these things, then you will be blessed. Pray X, Y, and Z and you'll have a jet or whatever. And friends, that's a sorely misguided view of being a person of God. That is a sorely misguided understanding of what it means to hear God's goodness proclaimed over you because Moses didn't get a Learjet Moses did not have a fat crib. Moses did not have really a good end physically because he was super old and was buried under some rocks in the desert. That doesn't sound fun. Believe me, if I would have read that story, I probably would have chose a different vocation than ministry. Be like, really? If you do ministry, you get buried under a rock in the desert. Uh, should have been an NBA player. Why did I turn that opportunity down that was there for real? No, it wasn't. So friends, I want us to see first and foremost this, that the man of God is someone who proclaims the goodness of God to his people. And we are to turn and see that goodness through God's word from his people with his people. But I want us to see this too is that the man of God proclaims the goodness of God over God's people. I'm going to read this again. This is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the people of Israel before his death. So we're going to talk about blessings now. Because if we often think of like a man of God or a person of God being someone who you know, maybe has a good resume or has a really good reputation and maybe uh, they tell us things that would encourage us and maybe there's some, you know, reward to doing X, Y, and Z of what the person proclaims. Often we have that same misunderstanding with blessings because often you can think that maybe blessing means, well, if I follow the Lord, things will go well for me. Just look at the news that often does not go well for Christians in most parts of the world. We can say, well, if I stop doing this and maybe follow the Lord this way, maybe he will increase my bank account. Maybe he will increase my reputation or my social standing, or maybe things will go super well for me in business. Now, let me tell you, biblically speaking, following the Lord is always the best thing. Even if you can't see the tangible benefits right away, we're going to get to that in a minute. 
But I think what happens to us often is we think as blessings as being maybe material things such as health or wealth or reputation. And blessing is not about the stuff we get, but rather the presence of the Lord with joy and being in a right relationship with him and each other. That's what blessing means. In fact, if you read all of 33 again, as Becca just read over us, you see that the blessing that Moses, the man of God, blessed his people Israel with, um, blessed the people of Israel with before his death, you see that he's reading about God's faithfulness to his people. He's reading about how God is doing great things for God's glory and for the good of God's people so that things will go well, but it is nothing about the people getting stuff because they've earned it or getting stuff because they are so good. Because if you read the past 40 years of this story, they were not being good people most of the time. In fact, Moses himself had killed somebody. Moses himself had rebelled against somebody, and yet he's called a man of God because in faith his function was to proclaim the goodness of God. And Israel had disobeyed numerous times, and God was still being patient and kind to them. And getting the blessing of God is not about the stuff they get, but rather having the presence of the Lord with them with great joy and having a right relationship with God and each other. You see, the word blessing is used a lot in the Bible. In fact, blessings, like the patriarchs in Genesis of, uh, of the Old Testament and, and even into Exodus, blessing uh, was something that God's uh, leaders would pour over their children. In fact, you see that there are stories of Abraham blessing his son Isaac and Isaac blessing his son Jacob. You see that there is Moses blessing Israel. You see when we get to the New Testament that Jesus himself talks about blessed blessedness being in the kingdom of God if you read the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, which we're going to get to in a couple of months. You see, blessing is not about the stuff you get, but about being in a right relationship with God and a right relationship with each other. A blessing is more than an empty wish and a want. A blessing carries the meaning that a promise of God is being fulfilled. That's what a blessing is. A blessing is not something you get when you sneeze. A blessing is not something you get when your wallet is fat with cash. A blessing means that God is making good on his promise and that things are going well with you and the Lord and well with you and God's other people. That's what a blessing is. And so you see, Moses sets foot on the scene not saying, I'm a big shot, look at my reputation as a man of God, and let me tell you how things are going to go great for you. But rather, he says, I'm a man of God. I'm going to proclaim God's faithfulness over you. And a blessing is not about what you get, but about what God is doing. A blessing is God making good on his promises. He is fulfilling the promises that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's making good on the promises that he made to uh, you when you were in Egypt 40 years ago. He's making good on his promises now. See, blessing is about God displaying his goodness, pouring out his grace on his people for his glory and our joy. It's about the presence of the Lord, which is so much better than life. So what does this mean for you and I and Jesus today? How does this lead us to Jesus? Because if Moses is a man of God, blessing the people of Israel, how does this lead us to Jesus, the Son of God, who blesses all of us today? What does that mean? I want us to look at a couple things. 
First, we see that Jesus is the true prophet of God who proclaims the good news. See, if a man of God is someone who was proclaiming the goodness of God over his people, that's what Moses did. Moses proclaimed the goodness of God over Israel. We see that Jesus is the true prophet of God proclaiming the good news of God to his people. We see one of many examples of this, one in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew writes this, Jesus This is hundreds of years later, after the time of Moses. Hundreds of years later, Jesus sets foot on the scene. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. You see, Jesus, through his life and his teaching and his healing ministries, his miracles that he did were all to show the promises of God being fulfilled. Did you know that? Uh, Jesus was not healing the blind just to be nice. He was healing the blind to show, hey, God is making good on his promises, that the things are going to go well for God's people ultimately and eternally. You see, all of the prophets after Moses leading up to Jesus, including Isaiah and Jeremiah, were anticipating God to make things right, even very physically. So when Jesus healed somebody, it was a proclamation that God's kingdom was now coming on earth. When Jesus fed the hungry, he was not just doing so because they were hungry, but he was also proclaiming that God's kingdom was going to break in to the earth. When Jesus brought people back from the dead, it was not just a cool party trick, and it was not just because of his affection for them, but rather it was also to display and proclaim the goodness of God to his people, that through Jesus, people would be blessed eternally. Does that make sense? And Jesus taught these things. He proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom. He healed every disease and affliction. And this is such good news. In fact, I was reading Matthew this week uh, because we're going to be going there in a couple of months. And I just just think it's wonderful that if you know the story of Jesus, right after his baptism uh, by his cousin John, he goes out to the wilderness. And there's so many parallels between uh, Moses and Israel being in the wilderness for 40 years and then Jesus going to the desert to be tempted by Satan for 40 days. There's so many parallels there. And if you know the story, Jesus being tempted by Satan himself, how does Jesus counteract those temptations. You know what he does? He quotes what book of the Bible? Deuteronomy. Jesus quotes Deuteronomy to Satan. I just think that's pretty awesome. It's pretty rad that Jesus three times quotes the book of Deuteronomy. And, and there's so much, so many parallels between the redemption story of Israel and, and Deuteronomy and the redemption story that is ours in Christ. It's why our church is named Redemption. And it's why we're going to the Gospel of Matthew in the spring. Can't wait. Have I mentioned that? Ephesians 2. The Apostle Paul says this. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God by the Spirit. See, That is another example the Apostle Paul says, hey, look, all of the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. Moses led God's people as the man of God blessing Israel. Jesus is the son of God blessing all of us in him. See, you are no longer strangers and aliens. You're not wandering the desert anymore. You are fellow citizens with the saints. 
That means holy ones. You are fellow citizens with the holy ones. You are members of God's household built on the foundation of the, prof- of the apostles and prophets. Prophets being the man of God. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. That is good news for us, friends. So Jesus is the true prophet of God, proclaiming the goodness of God to God's people. But Jesus is also, through Jesus, all of the promised blessings of God are fulfilled and granted to us. So when you read Deuteronomy 33, Moses, the man of God, blessing Israel before his death, that leads us to Jesus, the son of God, in whom we are all blessed for all eternity because in Christ Jesus, the promised blessings of God are fulfilled and granted to us. That's why Jesus says in Luke 24, 44, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me and the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. He's saying, hey, all of those things in the Old Testament are leading to me. The law of Moses, that's Deuteronomy. Part Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is part of the law of Moses. All the prophets, remember man of God talks about prophets. It's the same phraseology. The prophets, the Psalms must be fulfilled. That means God is making good on his promises. He is blessing his people. Those things are granted to us in Christ. And Jesus, all the promised blessings of God are fulfilled and granted to us. Galatians 3.14, the Apostle Paul says this, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Isn't that good news? In Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham. That means the, the promises that God made to Abraham might come to the Gentiles. That's those who aren't Israel. Unless you are Israel, you're a Gentile. I'm a Gentile. And in Christ, we might receive the promised spirit through faith. That's such good news for us, friends. So, so what I want us to do I want us to think about this because I know this huge chunks of the Bible and Deuteronomy is a very old and complicated book to understand. And we just looked at a whole huge chapter and camped out on this one verse. But my hope and prayer is that I'm helping connect some dots from the Old Testament to the New Testament because we read the Old Testament in anticipation of the New Testament. And we read the New Testament looking back through the lens of the Old Testament. And so what I want to challenge you and encourage you to do I want to encourage you to read the Bible. Just read the Bible. Get, get on a reading plan. If you don't have a Bible, I would love to give one to you. We have some here, but if there's one that you would prefer of a different translation or something, let us know and we will buy one for you. And we want to help you get on a Bible reading plan so that you can read the New Testament and see how God is making good on all of his promises through his son, Jesus, the true man of God, the true son of God, and that those promised blessings of God are fulfilled in Christ and granted to you and I today. So that's what I want us to do. I just want to help you get on a, on a reading plan and see that in the New Testament. I want, I want you to study parts of the Old Testament and see how that leads us to Jesus and how um, it is such good news for you and I today. That is my, my one big challenge to you. So come see uh, somebody at the guest services table after the service and say, hey, I want a Bible. And if they hand you one, you're like, I don't want that one. I want like a legit, I want like a fat hardback one with like cool 
you know, quilted cover and like pens and notebooks and like highlighters. We'll get you those. Be awesome. We'll have a big Bible contest. Or I'm okay with this um, because I use an iPad. There are some really good Bibles out there. Seriously. And we'll be glad to, if you have a Kindle or something, we can get a Kindle. Just Bible, people. Just Bible. It's good stuff. So what I want us to do is think about this. Is Moses was the man of God proclaiming blessings over God's people. And that Jesus is the son of God in whom we are all truly blessed forever. And this is good news for us. I want us to, to do a couple things besides read the Bible. Uh, I want to invite you, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want to just ask you to uh, believe the good news. Don't, don't look to other uh, quote-unquote people of God who maybe say, you know, being a person of God is like about doing X, Y, and Z so that he'll love you and accept you. But rather, look to the true man of God, the true son of God, Jesus, who says, hey, look, I've, I've lived the perfect life on your behalf. I've died a death in your place, and therefore, uh, in me, you are blessed. You have a right relationship with God and a right relationship with each other. That's the gospel, and we want you all to know it. So if you are here today and you're not a Christian, we just want you to believe Jesus. We just want you to trust Jesus, that Jesus is the true man of God, the true son of God, um, in whom we have redemption of sins. And that is an invitation to you. If you're here today and you are a Christian, I want us uh, to continually repent. That means to, to turn from something and to turn to Jesus, to repent and believe the good news, to turn from our own uh, pride and brokenness and doubts and disbeliefs and fears and to turn to Jesus, to turn from our reputations and things that we think make us a person of God and to turn to Jesus as the son of God and to see how in him uh, we are truly blessed with a right relationship with God and a right relationship with each other. And because of that good news, we live differently. That's what we have for you today. We're now going to enter in a uh, period of response. And if you were um, part of Redemption Church uh, there, and you're familiar with this, there's a few ways we respond. The musicians will come back and lead us in music, and you can respond by singing or listening or meditating on Scripture. Um, there is a giving basket in the back. If you were part of the ministry of Redemption here, you can give back there. And up here we have... Um, communion set before you. We have bread that represents the body of Christ and wine and juice that represents the blood of Christ. Uh, his body was broken and his blood was shed so that we could have forgiveness and redemption of sins. And so if you're a Christian, a believer, we invite you to come partake. You just tear off the bread, dip it in the wine or the juice. A uh, little logistical note, if you have um, gluten uh, issues, uh, we have uh, an option for you as well under the white napkins. There are gluten-free wafers and the blue bowl is for you. Uh, please use that only if you need it. And, um, and so it's there for you as well. Um, one more logistical note. Um, after our response time, uh, we are going to have um, uh, a special announcements that we're looking forward to. And so uh, if you have children uh, for this particular Sunday, we would invite you to go get your kids after you do communion and bring them back in here uh, just so our nursery, uh, our kids ministry workers can be in here for the announcements at the end, okay, uh, just for this Sunday. So after you do communion, if you have children, uh, do that and please come back uh, for important announcements. Uh, let me read this as we enter in a time of communion. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread 
And after he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for your goodness to your people throughout all generations. And God, I thank you that in Christ, uh, you ultimately fulfill your promises. Um, God, I thank you that in Christ, we are truly blessed with a right relationship with you and a right relationship with each other. And so God, I pray that now your spirit would stir up our hearts and minds, uh, God, to uh, turn from sin, brokenness, fear, doubt, and turn to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. God, I pray that as we walk away from here and as we uh, seek to do good things, Lord, I pray that that would be in light of your grace of the gospel, uh, that as we seek to live our lives in, in ways to serve each other and to serve others, that it would be fueled by the grace of the gospel, seeing that uh, in Christ we are um, heirs uh, to your kingdom, God, that in Christ Jesus we have been uh, created and redeemed for good works, uh, God, that would show off your goodness uh, to the world. So, Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom and confidence and uh, zeal to do those things, to live out life as your people. Uh, and God, ultimately, that we would rely on your son, Jesus, uh, in all things. And uh, we thank you for this time. Pray that you use it for your glory and our joy and that the gospel of Christ would advance. We ask in his name. Amen. Amen.